Hello, and welcome to Listen to Your Heart, the podcast where we explore the clinical management of high-risk patients with established cardiovascular disease in the context of the latest Canadian Cardiovascular Society guidelines. I'm your host, Dr. George Thanasoulis, and with me on the program today is Dr. Priya Manju. Dr. Manju is an endocrinologist and certified specialist in both hypertension and obesity medicine at the Victoria Cardiometabolic Collaborative Clinic and a clinical assistant professor in the Division of Endocrinology at the University of British Columbia's Faculty of Medicine. Um, welcome, Priya. Thank you for having me, George. Uh, I'm really thrilled to have you uh, with us today uh, to discuss this very, very um, interesting and also very high-risk population, which is really the patient um, who has an LDL cholesterol that's, that's, that remains high in secondary prevention. And as the guidelines have pointed out, an LDL cholesterol of more than 2.6 millimoles per liter, um, or the patient with heterozygous um, FH, um, or, or, or a genetic uh, type of uh, dyslipidemia. Um, so perhaps um, we could start with, how have the, these new updated guidelines changed your practice in terms of lipid management for the patient with uh, heterozygous FH or who remains at a very, very high LDL cholesterol level in secondary prevention? Yeah, so, you know, in the, between the, the time of the 2016 and uh, 2021 guidelines, uh, new evidence has come to light. You know, we, we know, we've always known that lowering your risk of, lowering your LDL cholesterol will lower your risk of vascular disease in a very linear fashion. What we didn't have before, or at least what we have more of now, is data showing that when we get to an LDL of, of less, than, less than two and, and less than 1.8, not only do you slow the progression of plaque in the arteries, but you can start uh, stopping the progression of plaque. When you get to levels below 1.8 and closer to 1.3 in some studies, you can start seeing plaque regressing. And this was, uh, these are studies that have been shown with, uh, with PCSK9 inhibitors more recently. And, um, and it's really been a really important tool in treating this patient population. So, so our, our guidelines now endorse the reduction of LDL and ApoB to much lower ranges in this patient population. And, you know, before we didn't have the tools to do it. We had statin therapy. Now we have PCSK9 inhibitor therapy. Um, this has been really effective in, in patients who are not at target in the maximally tolerated dose of statin and mesotrol. Um, and so, so now this patient population in particular, the FH population, are the ones that have been shown to derive the greatest benefit from PCSK9 inhibitor therapy. And we have the tools, we have the data, and our guidelines are bang on in regards to the direction we should be moving in in this patient population. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. You know, I think one of the, as a, as a cardiologist, uh, I think one of the number one questions I hear from my patients after an MI in the CCU is, you know, um, uh, you know, can I regress plaque in my coronaries? You know, they're, they're, they're very um, usually distraught about having an MI. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. one, of the one of their major concerns. And, and I think they're, they're often relieved to hear that, that the data now shows, as, as, you, as you nicely point out, that when you get to these really, really low levels, um, you know, less than one point, um, uh, certainly less than 1.8, but closer 
to you know 1.4 or even closer to one, you can start seeing regression of these of these plaques uh, using you know very sophisticated uh, methodology. So I often tell my patients this, and I think it's a really motivating part of, of the discussion I have with, with mm-hmm. patients. And, and, you know, I think, as you point out, now with the PCSK9 inhibitors, not only do we have a highly efficacious uh, therapy to achieve these extremely low um, LDL cholesterol uh, levels, but we also have a very tolerable um, therapy. You know, I think, uh, I think all the patients that I have on this therapy have been able to tolerate the therapy extremely well with you know, very little to no side effects. Um, so de- definitely, um, I think this is a, a, a definite change in the way we manage these patients based on these new guidelines. So Priya, you know, these patients with, with heterozygous um, FH, uh, we all know, you know have an have a, have a important genetic dyslipidemia. Why do you think these patients are at such uh, high risk? And why do you think that treatment intensification is so important um, for, for these specific patients. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, I, I say to patients that there are certain things that your lifestyle lifestyle can do. And there are thir- certain things that your lifestyle cannot do when you have a genetic cause of dyslipidemia, even though you're very engaged in healthy behaviors, your LDL will still be high. So there's a range of LDL that you can achieve with healthy lifestyle versus unhealthy lifestyle. And for patients with FH, that LDL cholesterol that they can achieve with healthy lifestyle is very high. It's high and it's not just high when they're 20 or 30, it's high when they're 10 and and as teenagers and into their 20s. So by the time that they become adults, their burden of exposure to high cholesterol has affected all of their vascular beds and the risk of forming plaque is much higher. So, you know, it's, it's in contrast to the patients who are born with very low LDL cholesterols and even with a bad diet cannot get their cholesterol that high. So, you know, the, the drugs that we have available to us now and early lowering of LDL in this patient population can help to level that field associated with that genetic insult. So again, early intervention is is what I stress with my patients. And I also try to just reinforce the fact that this isn't something that they're doing wrong. This isn't a way that they're eating. This is a drug that, sorry, this is a disease that needs to be treated with medication. There is simply no other way to get those cholesterols into the range where you will not get cardiovascular disease. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, 100% on that. And, and I think, you know, the point you're making is so important that, that we're now realizing that this idea of cholesterol years, this, this duration of exposure is just so, so important. Um, in, in determining the risk of our patients. And these patients with genetic dyslipidemia who've had lifelong elevations in LDL cholesterol are, are just uh, at such high risk uh, because of this very, very high um, duration of exposure. Um, so yeah, these patients definitely need very, very aggressive therapy. And I think it's our job as clinicians to try to identify them, um, certainly in, in, the, in the CCU after an event, but even 
um, hopefully before they have that first event and get them on these therapies. Um, so perhaps just to wrap up, Priya, um, what would you recommend to our listeners as a um, you know practical takeaway for the management of a patient with heterozygous FH? So I think the management part, once you've identified these patients, uh, is, is certainly we have lots of options in terms of statins, in terms of Isotrol, in terms of PCSK9 inhibitors. Very often their cholesterol is, is refractory to therapy depending on the specific mutation uh, that contributes to the high LDL. I think one of the, the key things that, that I try to do is, is to recognize and not miss these patients. So I think anyone who's had a vascular event without traditional risk factors, particularly patients who have a strong family history, they read patients with baseline pretreatment LDL cholesterols that are greater than 45 ApoBs that are greater than 1.5, you really should be thinking about this and inquiring about the family history. And just to highlight that, you know, because people have been treated with cholesterol-lowering agents now for several decades, there may not be a family history of heart disease or early heart disease because our treatments have been able to offset this. But so it is important to sort of bear that in mind that even without a family history of heart disease, but with a family history of high cholesterol, you know, that may be enough to make the diagnosis. So, you know, cascade screening to look at relatives is very important because we now have the treatments that are available to improve the lifetime risk in these patients. Yeah, I, I agree uh, 100% with that. You know, I think the key thing here is identification, identification, identification. And, you know, as you point out, I think probably the, the most important aspect here is just, is just understanding that a, a patient who's partially treated on statins may not come in with an LDL of, um, you know, five millimoles per liter uh, because they are getting a, a lipid-lowering therapy in, in prevention. Um, and therefore seeing that, you know, moderately elevated uh, cholesterol level on therapy should be a, a red flag to think, you know, what would the LDL cholesterol be if they weren't on, on treatment? Um, and, then, and then think about whether this patient could actually have uh, a form of heterozygous uh, FH. Um, so, you know, Priya, uh, this has really been a pleasure speaking to you today about this uh, very, very interesting uh, patient population. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to the Listen to Your Heart podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the um, heterozygous FH uh, population. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases.